0: Well, good morning. If you're new, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. And I just got word yesterday when I was finishing up my sermon that we were the emergency center for what happened in the fire of the condos. And so I thought there was a basketball game happening. It turns out we're serving people in our community. And so thank you for all those who are involved, and it's just an honor that we can actually do that and be a place where people can come and find refuge in a time of need. Before we jump into the sermon, one of my neighbors stopped me the other day, like, Steve, I'm just so excited to go to church every week. You know what, I feel the same way. I feel the same way because God is moving, God is working. People are taking their next steps. We're seeing people being baptized. We're seeing people being freed. We're seeing people come to Christ because of what he's done. And here we are in the book of Galatians. And we're talking about gospel partnership. We're talking about how can we join God in what he's doing right here in Campbell River. And as we're going through Galatians, it kind of feels like you're on this long hike, this long adventure. And as you're hiking up, it's getting harder and harder. It's getting tiring. You're kind of weaving around, and everything kind of starts to look the same. But finally, you summit to the top of the mountain, And you can see the beauty of the gospel. That's what Paul does today. We get to the top. We're finally like, oh, I know who I am in Christ. I I know what God has done for me. I know that I am a son and daughter of the king. That's where we're going today. I' want to ask the question, "Who am I?" You know when I was in high school, I actually achieved something that I didn't think was possible. And I don't mean pulling the, the stick shift and doing a 360. I did do that. But what happened was is I started a band in grade 11. We, we started to, you know, practice music together. We started to play worship. We started to play all the time. We recorded our first CD in grade 12. And we actually couldn't believe that people listened to it and bought it. Then we started actually touring Canada in our 15-passenger vans. I realized I hated touring. I realized that I didn't love pulling out all the gear every show and trying to set up and do sound in different rooms that echoed and sounded terrible, and then we started to fight amongst each other. Yeah, you didn't play that right, whatever it is. Then in college, we recorded a second CD. And we got a Juno nomination for it. We didn't think it was possible. So I remember as a poor college student trying to save money to even make the plane ticket to attend the Junos. So I bought my nice leather jacket. I tried to look good. We got to the Junos and I remember sitting with actual rock stars. People who've actually made it in the biz, as they say. Started shaking hands, we're like, Who are you? I'm like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I know who you are. You know, it actually started to kind of go to our head. We got a Juno nomination. We started to make the newspaper. We were on the news. People started to notice who we were. You know, it all culminated until we got this, this dinner invitation in Toronto. This agent invited us to this business conversation. And we're sitting around the table. And he says, you can buy whatever you want. It's on me. What? And he said something along the lines, you know, I really like your sound. I think I can help you be bigger. You know, the ego starts to go up. Man, we've made it. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I can make you big. But you have to be sponsored by Molson Canadian. I can get you a million-dollar deal. And you have to play at every high school in Canada that we can get you in. And two of our bandmates were like, yes, we're in. A million bucks. We've done it. And myself and another bandmate is like, no, it feels like we just sold our soul to the devil. I think it's because the Holy Spirit was speaking. I realized if we went down that road... It wouldn't have been good for us. It it caused us to ask the question, who are we? What's our purpose? Does this actually matter? Are we just Christians or are we just like everyone else? Who are we? Like in the story, our identity can get all wrapped up in what we've achieved and what we've accomplished, in our awards, in our education, in our paychecks, in our job title, whatever it is, we may say, you know, we've made it. I'm someone. Look at me. You know, even in conversations, we might say, what do you do for a living? And we kind of determine on our scale how important that person is. Or what do you do for a hobby? Well, I'm interesting. I do this and that. You know, what can we showcase that says we are something? And Paul says the same thing. We need to ask the question, who am I? Today, we're going to be looking at three things. We're going to be talking about our identity, how we can receive our identity from Christ, then how we can enjoy our identity from Christ, and how we can cling to our identity in Christ. So first, receiving our new identity in Christ. Let's go back to Galatians 3.26. It says this, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, pay attention to the words, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we have this saving relationship with Jesus that unites us with him. It unites us with his grace, with his love, with his resources. When we're in Christ, it means that we can actually experience God as we live our life. And he's giving us access to him and his kingdom. For in Christ Jesus, it says, you are sons of God. What does it mean to be a son or daughter of God? It means that he's adopted us into his family. And in verse 29, it says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. It means you're part of God's family tree. It means that your name is listed as part of the genealogy. You've been part of the plan. You've been grafted into the family. You're no longer an orphan is what he's saying. You are a son and daughter of Christ. It means that you've received this new identity. It means that your your name is listed among the saints. It means that we belong to God. And God has been working through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and now you and me. We're part of the family. We've been adopted in. He calls us sons and daughters. So, question why does the text actually only say sons? It's because in the ancient world, it's only the sons who receive the inheritance. And to say that we're all sons of God actually has nothing to do with being masculine. It has everything to do with our inheritance. It has everything to do with who we are in Christ. And he's saying, if you were a son or a daughter, it doesn't matter. You've inherited everything if you're part of my family. It means that you were a child of God. It means that you've been forgiven. It means that you get heaven. It means that you have eternal life. It means that you have access to everything that God has for you. You're part of his family. You're not orphaned. You're not alone. And then he goes, you put on Christ. Verse 27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, that means you've put him on. <laughs> it means that there's this radical implication that when you are in Christ, you also put on Christ, which radically changes us. He says, when you're baptized into Christ, it means that you're clothed with Christ. You've been washed clean. That your sin is gone. You've been covered. Man, I think of Jenny last week and how excited she was to get baptized. She was washed clean. She was dipped under. She came up celebrating. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a daughter of the king. There's this imagery going on. Because in the Old Testament culture, when you pass from child to man, you receive the full rights of a son, you actually get new clothing. Think of a beautiful bride walking down the aisle, and everything is about to change. She puts on some new clothing. She's anticipating becoming a bride. And when we put on Christ, we put on this new clothing. All that sin that we struggle with, all that dirt, all that grime, all that past is gone. We've been covered. We put on new clothing. And to understand the symbolism here, we actually need to understand holiness. What is holiness? Holiness means that God has been set apart, that he's sinless. And when we think of holiness, it's not just what God doesn't do, it's actually who God is. He is worthy. He is the great I am. He is glorious. He has infinite value. He is worthy of respect. He is the God of wonders. He is pure. He is holy. And we're putting on God's holiness. Do you see? Do you see what Paul is saying? He's covering our sin with his holiness, his infinite value. He's saying, because you are a son or daughter, you are now worthy. You are now covered. Come in. I paid the price. I welcome you. I cover you. You're part of the family. And our holiness doesn't spring from our actions, but from our identity in Christ. When we put on Christ, we are seen as set apart. And then our focus shouldn't be on being ashamed or carrying the guilt or being afraid. But our focus should be, man, I'm covered. I'm beautiful because he made me beautiful. Beautiful. I have a new identity in Christ. I've been created in his image, and I have value. I matter. I'm a son or daughter of the king. And if we're honest, we all struggle with our identity. We're all searching for it. We're trying to work for it. We're trying to make ourselves greater than we are. We're trying to cover up our sin. Trying to hide it, keep it secret, but yet entertain it. Let it fester. Kind of reminds me of an app that distorts our face in a fun way or a filter. My kids used to do that, send me photos of their face distorted. Sometimes their head is too big, their eyes are too big, their nose is too small, whatever it is. Here's an example of Mr. Bean, right? <laughs> but just like in the app, we can distort who we are in Christ. We can become confused, misaligned, because we actually believe something or someone other than God. And here's two ways that we can really distort our our identity, is that we can believe we are what other people say we are. That rather than listening to God, we listen to culture. We read something, we input it, or we watch something, Or we're in a conversation and we look for certain people when they approve us. We're like, oh, I am someone. Or when they don't, oh, man, I'm terrible. That people's words, we, we tie them to our identity. And sometimes we can find ourselves even working just to approve or get approval from someone else. So that you will say the nice things, we feel good. And our identity can get wrapped up and tied to what other people say. And God says, No, that's not who you are. I've told you who you are. The other way that we can get our identity is we believe we are what we feel. Right on, on a good day, man, when we feel good, everything's going right, everything's aligned, I got the title, I got the paycheck, had the great meal, then I feel good. My identity must be good. Or or when it all falls apart, oh man, I suck today. I, I didn't quite achieve what I wanted. I'm no good because I feel no good or whatever it is, and the way that we define our identity is by how we feel. Again, God says, it's not who you are. It's not who you feel. Your feelings are fleeting. You can't trust them. They change like the weather. They change with your mood. They, They change depending on how much sleep you get. They change depending on how your kids are, your spouse is, whatever it is, or it's just me. But what does Christ say we are? Who does he say we are? This is what the Bible says. He says, you are his own special possession. There should be a slide. There we go. You are chosen, you are handpicked by God, you are treasured, you are irreplaceable, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are his child, you are secured for all eternity, you are set free, you are precious to him, you are set apart. This is your identity in Christ. And if you're in Christ, this is who you are even when you're struggling. Even when you don't have what you think you need. This is who you are when you don't get the promotion. This is who you are when you are a single parent. This is who you are when you find yourself broken and stuck in sin. And you're asking yourself, how did I get there again? Man, look back to what Christ says about you. Stop looking to your sin. Stop looking to your mistakes. Stop looking to all the things that tell you you're worthless. And start looking to the king. Another pastor said it this way. If you are of Christ, if you belong to him, If you've come to faith, we have the right to wear the t shirt saying property of Jesus Christ. And I think the question for all of us is where are we receiving our identity from? It's from culture? What a mess. Is it from some other voice on the internet? Social media? Some podcast? Or is it Christ? Paul is saying that our true identity is only found in Christ. I'm going to say it again. Paul is saying that our true identity is only found in Christ. Next, how do we enjoy our new identity in Christ. How do we enjoy our new identity in Christ? Galatians 4, 6 says this, And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In other words, Paul is saying, because you are in God's family, his spirit transforms not only our identity, but he also gives us this connection to God, this intimacy with God. In other words, we don't have to live for the law. The law tells us that we're imperfect, but now we have this connection, this relationship that we can connect with God as we live our life, that we can enjoy this deep connection, this deep help that comes when we know our identity in Christ, And because of what Christ did, we can cry out to God and call him Abba. Abba. And the word Abba simply means daddy. Daddy. And I was thinking about even just playing with my own kids. When I get down on their level and I look in their eyes, hey, daddy's here. Daddy loves you. Daddy wants to play with you and engage with you at your level. My kids, when they're toddlers, could, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I would go, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, let's play. Let's connect. And even though they couldn't engage with me on my level, I got down on their level. And God gets down on our level and wants to connect with us and engage with us. He may not... Understand every word that you said, but he knows he loves you. He's there to help you. And the word Abba, that means daddy, means something even deeper. It means that we can groan to God. It means that we can long for him like Jesus in the wilderness we can cry out in our struggle when we are we don't know what our identity is when we're lost we go daddy i need you daddy help me and Paul is saying that the spirit of god is with us comes down to our level helps us connect with our dad And when we cry out to God, when we're scared, when we don't understand, he's with us. He's speaking to us. And no matter what happens in life, because you are a son or daughter of Christ, we can cry out, Abba, Daddy, I need you. I love you. Jerry Packer says this, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of their thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, it means that they do not understand Christianity very well at all. Do you see that you have a father? Do you see that you have a God who's adopted you in? Who wants to love you? He wants to come down on your level and connect with you. And help you. You know, in the 13th century, a German king named Frederick II conducted a really messed up experiment. This one actually breaks my heart. He actually took kids from their mothers and gave them to nurses. and the experiment in the experiment, he said that the nurses were forbidden to speak to the kids. Again, it's messed up. but the nurses were also not allowed to touch the kids. Course, it ended tragically. It said the babies grew up to speak no language and they all died. But this is exactly what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to steal our identity. He wants to, to make you believe that you have no family. He wants you to believe that God isn't there. He wants you to believe that you've been abandoned. But here's the good news God doesn't leave us as abandoned orphans. This is not who we are in Christ. And some of us are dying spiritually because we don't realize that we have this loving Father who wants to engage with us, who wants to care for us. He's generous. He's forgiving. He's saying, come to me. Talk to me. Enjoy me. Call out, Abba, Father, when you need me. And when we come to God like a child and we reach for Him, we realize that we're part of His family. We're part of this great family, that we actually have every single thing that we need. And we can learn to speak to God in a way that, man, we're filled. In a way we know that we're loved in a way that we don't need to search for our identity in a way that we can actually enjoy the identity that God has given us because he's clothed us in Christ do you enjoy god do you have this intimate connection with him where you're in awe and you wonder And how did you do that, God? Thank you for speaking to me, God, today. Thank you for getting me through. God, thank you for helping me fight the lies of the enemy and to focus on truth and truly who I am in Christ. God, remind me that you've clothed me, that you love me no matter what. That's what it means to have this intimate relationship with God. That's what Paul is saying. Don't forget, stop working. Stop the checklist. He's here, he wants to engage with you. Paul is saying we can enjoy our identity in Christ, we can enjoy our relationship with God. Lastly, how do we cling to our new identity in Christ? How do we cling and not let go no matter what happens? Verse 7 says this, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Well, what does it mean to no longer be a slave? Well, Paul is, again, reiterating the same point. We don't need to be a slave to the law. We don't have to work our way into heaven. We don't have to earn our identity. We no longer have to be tied to sin. He's saying that our new identity in Christ is not just for here and now, but it's actually for all of eternity. And if you're a child of God, then you are an heir. And if you're an heir, you actually have full access to the largest inheritance known to humanity. It means that God shares his kingdom with you. It means that you have a father who gives good and perfect gifts. It means that you have security in the next life. It means that God has something good for you now, but something even better when you see him face to face. It means that this is not your home, but heaven is your home. This means that we no longer have to let culture or people tell us who we are because we know we are a son and daughter of the king. Do you cling to what Christ says about you? Do you cling to your inheritance? Do you have hope that when this life ends, you have something better to go to? Here's just a few things that you can look forward to if you are in Christ. It says that we will have eternal salvation. The Bible says we will have complete freedom from sin. That there will be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) That we will have wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. That we will have a heavenly reward that's incorruptible and unfading. No one can take it from you. And that we will have the eternal presence of God to enjoy. And I don't know about you, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait to go before the throne and bow my knee. And worship. The best worship service you will ever have and know. We can't even comprehend what it's going to be like. It's going to be so incredible. Pastor Chad Germany says this. When you possess an orphan heart, you never truly feel at home anywhere. You're afraid to trust, afraid of rejection, afraid to open up your heart to receive love. And unless you're able to receive love, you cannot unconditionally express love, even to your own family. He's talking about an orphan mindset. He's saying when we have this orphan mindset, we actually can't receive love. We can't receive love from the family that's adopted us in. We can't receive love from God our Father because we think we're abandoned. And this orphan mindset is is that we have no identity. We have no inheritance. We have nothing secure. And so we become afraid. We try to tie ourselves to the world. We try to work our way out. We try to find meaning by our own means. Paul is saying, you can't. You can't. You can't find a true identity without Christ because you've been made in the image of God. You reflect your father. Ah, but when you receive your father's name, you don't actually have to provide for yourselves. When you know that God has provided an inheritance, you just need to go to him and go, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. I have a future. Thanks, Dad. But also, when you know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ, you also have another family. You're not alone. You're not orphaned. And this orphan mindset means to abandon, to isolate. And the orphan mindset is to live like you don't have a father, like you don't have a family. But the Christian mindset is that God takes broken people and he makes them family. He makes them sons, and daughters, of the king. And the Christian mindset is that we have all the resources that we need to enjoy God and his family. And because of Christ, we can actually live like family. We can learn to love each other. We can learn to forgive one another. We can learn to bring people in. Say, hey, you're not abandoned. You don't have to isolate. Come. My Father loves you. My Father wants to change you. He wants to take you from that brokenness and make you part of his family. So the question is, do we live more like orphans or sons and daughters of Christ? I'm going to call the worship team up. I've been kind of wrestling with the question, how do we actually get out of the orphan mindset? Because we all have it. How do we remind ourselves of what Christ has done and given us? But when we stand before the king, man, we can go, man, wow, you've given me everything. Romans ten seventeen says this, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, we need to keep hearing what God says about us. We need to keep preaching to ourselves to actually combat the lies. We need to be reminded who we are in Christ. We need the Word of God to get a wash over us every time we let those lies get in and say something different than what God has said. And the Bible tells us that's a daily battle. Keep renewing your mind. Keep coming back to truth. We need to be reminded again and again that we have received a new identity in Christ. In other words, we need to cling to that. So the question for all of us is, have you received a new identity in Christ? Have you come to God? It's like, I've been working for it. I've tried to achieve this and that. I give it all back to you. Clothe me change me, transform me. I want to be in Christ, not in Steve Edelman. I want to be in Christ, not what the culture says. I want to be in Christ rather than what my neighbor says about me. maybe you feel unworthy to receive what God has for you this morning and here's the good news you are unworthy that the only thing he requires from you is to say I surrender it all God I receive what you say about me I confess my sin. I commit my life and I choose to follow you and I choose to be a son or daughter in Christ. I'm going to invite you just to take a moment and speak to God. I'm going to call the prayer teams up. Here's four questions for us Do you and I live like orphans? or sons and daughters of Christ? And how can you and I combat that orphan thinking in our life? And in what areas are you having trouble receiving from God and others? When he gives you good gifts, what do you do? And how can you live out your identity in Christ this week? So I'm going to invite the prayer teams up and if you need prayer for whatever reason or if you want to take that next step and say, you know what, today I declare I am a son, a daughter in Christ and I want to give my life completely to him and come. He's inviting you into his family. Come. He's welcoming you. You can do that by praying a prayer, making a decision to follow Christ, also come and talk to a staff member or myself and go, hey, today, I'm making that decision. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you that you don't abandon us. Thank you that you are a God who changes and transforms our identity. And when we come to the realization of who we are in Christ, oh man, it's beautiful, it's better. It gives us hope. It transforms our our life today and tomorrow. And so God, I just pray that we would live that out, that we wouldn't have this orphan mindset that we need to stay isolated, that we need to stay separate, that you've invited us in. And so, God, help us to live this out, to love you and others in a way that would honor you. And that would say, we belong to Christ. God, thank you for Jesus who made that all possible. And thank you that we can cry out, cry, Abba, Abba. And that you're there to help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.